Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Serial Killer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to serial killers, who they were, what they did, and how. I am your Norwegian host, Thomas Vyborg Thun. Tonight, I bring to you a fresh new serial killer expose. This will be a standalone episode. So, it can be devoured right away instead of waiting until all parts are released, as some of you do. I understood some of you preferred it this way. So, this episode is for you. We stay in the United States of America, but we are no longer in the stylish late 1940s. This episode takes a closer look at a very recent serial killer case, one ending in 2012, only seven years ago. So, turn your nose northwards with me, dear listener, as we travel to the great state of Alaska and its largest city, Anchorage. Here, a rapist and serial killer hid very much like a wolf among sheep. He is believed to have killed perhaps as many as eleven, but at least three human beings. His name was Israel Keys, and this is his saga. This episode is brought to you by my very dear patrons. As with the last several episodes, it is 100% sponsored ad-free, and I could not do this without their support. Running a podcast that publish every week is not free. So, if you wish this show to continue to produce quality content, feel free 
to visit theserialkillerpodcast.com slash donate. That's theserialkillerpodcast.com slash donate. Any donation is very welcome. If you wish to attain extra privileges as a producer of this show, I have made many tiers available to you. I will, for example, write you a personalized thank you message, and I will personally call you and thank you for your generous contribution for only $50. I really want this podcast to continue being free of charge to anyone who wishes to listen. You can help with that. Consider this. As Sam Harris says, if you can afford a cup of coffee at a coffee shop, can you perhaps spend that amount on this show? So, again, visit theserialkillerpodcast.com slash donate now if you wish to contribute. The couriers who vanished in 2011 lived in Essex, Vermont. They were a middle-aged couple living a peaceful life. Bill was tall, somewhat portly, with brown hair and eyes. He wore glasses. Lorraine was shorter than Bill, had red hair, an easy smile and looked happy in photographs. They didn't know Israel Keys. He didn't know them. On the 2nd of June, 2011, Keyes flew from Alaska to Chicago. He later told investigators his purpose was to kidnap and murder someone. Anyone. In Chicago, he rented a car and headed east. Five days later, Israel Keyes checked into the Handy Suites on Susie Wilson Road in Essex Junction, Vermont. The Handy Suites is still in operation. It's a fairly low-cost place with a rather imposing entrance area. The building is green-gray with a red-brick foundation. In his simple but adequate room, he planned his attack meticulously. The next night, he began scouting for a victim. He told police he zeroed in on the couriers because their house had an attached garage. There were no cars in the drive, and no sign of children in the home. They didn't have a dog. Keyes, a seasoned construction worker and carpenter, also felt he could accurately guess the home's floor plan and predict the location of the bedroom. He was right. By his own account, Keyes was on the couriers within ten seconds of breaking in. They awakened to a stranger. Wearing a headlamp carrying a gun and bearing zip ties. He took them to an abandoned farmhouse nearby. Keyes took Bill Carrier into the basement of the house and tied him to a stool. Upon returning to the car, Keyes saw that Lorraine had broken free from the zip ties that had previously bound her hands and feet. Keyes then saw Lorraine running towards Main Street. He tackled her brought her to the second floor of the farmhouse and rebound her hands and feet. Upon returning to the basement, 
Keyes found that Bill had broken the stool on which he was bound, and repeatedly shouted, Where's my wife? In an attempt to subdue Bill, Keyes hit him with a shovel. But when Keyes realized that Bill was not going to cooperate, he retrieved the gun and silencer and shot Bill Carrier to death. Just having heard the fatal struggle ending with her husband's murder, Lorraine was then forcefully raped by Israel Keyes. When he had finished, he was already laying on top of her. He put his gun away and wrapped his hands around her throat, slowly squeezing her life out of her. As I have mentioned in earlier episodes, strangulation is a terrible way to die. It's slow, very painful, as tissue often tear inside the esophagus, and causes extreme trauma to the victim as they watch their killer straight in the face as he is killing them. Keyes said he hid Bill and Lorraine Currier's corpses under the abandoned farmhouse. However, police have yet to recover their bodies. But, before we continue, let us take a closer look at who Israel Keyes really was. He was born in Richmond, Utah, in 1978. He's one of the few serial killers I have covered that actually did not have a middle name. For some reason, most serial killers have at least three names. Theodore Robert Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, Leonard Thomas Lake, Dennis Lynn Raider. The list goes on. But it's not applicable to Israel Keyes. He was raised in a Mormon family and was homeschooled. His family moved to the Aladdin Road area, north of Colville, Washington, where they became neighbors and friends with the family of Chievi Kehoe. And occasionally they attended a Christian identity church. As you might know, Chevy O'Brien Kehoe is an American self-proclaimed white supremacist and convicted murderer. So it is not unreasonable to say that he was not a very wholesome influence on young Israel. However, when Israel Keyes was 20 years old, he enrolled in the U.S. Army from 1998 through 2001 at Fort Lewis, Fort Hood, and in Egypt. While at Fort Lewis, Keyes served on a mortar team in the 1st Battalion, 5th Infantry. 25th Infantry Division. According to his military records, Keyes entered the army in Albany, New York, on the 9th of July, 1998, and was discharged from Fort Lewis on the 8th of July, 2001, at the rank of a specialist. Records indicate Keyes was awarded the following decorations and awards. Army Achievement Medal, Army Service Ribbon, Marksman Badge with Rifle Bar, Expert Infantry Man Badge, and Air Assault Badge. Former Army friends of Keyes have noted his quiet demeanor that he typically kept to himself. 
On weekends, however, he was reported to have drunk heavily, consuming entire bottles of his favorite drink, wild turkey bourbon. He was also heavily into the music group Insane Clown Posse, and had several large posters hanging in his barracks room. In other words, he was perhaps what is known as a juggalo. The only verified serial killer juggalo I know of, actually. Keyes apparently fell away from his strong Christian upbringing, and according to his now-defunct MySpace page, he described himself as an atheist. He looked like a regular guy. He was on the tall side, about six foot two, and in good shape. He was a white guy with brown hair and dark eyes. Up until his arrest, he lived at a stable address with a woman and her child. In 2006, he placed 129th in a marathon in Olympia, Washington. Very decent result considering several hundred participants. When he was arrested, he had his own construction business in Anchorage, Alaska, called Keys Construction. Here he did jobs as a handyman, contractor, and construction worker. He charged, and here I quote, as low as $35 an hour, depending on when the job was done. Israel Key's first victims were in Washington State in the late 1990s. Keyes admitted to investigators that he killed four people in Washington State, claims which are the subject of an active investigation by the FBI, as well as police in that state. The problem with these murders is that Keyes as is typical of serial killers who enjoy controlling what information they feed their captors with, never gave any details about these four murders. He simply said that he killed them. He did not mention the victim's gender, age, or how he went about murdering them. He also confessed to killing one person in New York, but again, he only said he killed a person. He did not give any details about his victim. What is known is that he lived in many places in the U.S. before finally settling down in Anchorage. Since we know he murdered a couple in Vermont, one person in New York, and at least four people in Washington State, the entire U.S. could have been Israel Keys' hunting ground. Samantha Koenig was a pretty, blonde, 18-year-old woman who lived in Anchorage. There, she worked as a barista at Common Grounds Coffee Stand. It is a small shack, cayenne in color. It looks really cozy. Prior to the 1st of February in 2012, Keyes had selected the Common Grounds Coffee Stand located on Tudor Road for the site of the abduction. He did this after considering other coffee stands, but chose common grounds because of its location and because it was open later than other coffee stands. Keyes had never met or seen Samantha Koenig before. He approached the coffee stand just prior to closing time. He was wearing a ski mask and ordered a coffee. 
Samantha made the coffee and handed it to Keyes. He then pulled out a gun and demanded money. Samantha complied, and then Keyes forced himself inside. Inside the coffee stand, he tied up Samantha's hands with zip ties. He asked her, where is your car? And she told him that she did not have a vehicle. Keys then forcibly walked her out of the coffee stand toward Tudor Road. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Samantha broke away from Keys and tried to run away. Keys chased her and tackled her to the ground. He put one arm around her and pointed a gun at her body with the other hand, telling her that she needed to cooperate, that the gun had very quiet ammo and that she should not do anything to make him kill her. They walked across Tudor Road into the parking lot, between the IHOP restaurant and Dairy Queen, where Key's white truck was parked. Keyes had previously prepared the truck for the abduction by taking the mounted toolboxes off the bed of the truck, as well as removing the license plates. Keyes then bound Samantha in the truck and drove away. Keyes drove around town, explaining to Samantha that this was a kidnapping for ransom. Samantha told Keyes that her family did not have much money, and that Keyes was not likely to get much in ransom. Keyes explained that they will raise money for the ransom by simply seeking the public's help. Keyes convinced Samantha that if she cooperated, she would be returned to her family unharmed. 
She believed Keyes and tried to talk to him in an effort to convince him to release her. At some point on the drive, Keyes realized that Samantha did not have her cell phone, which was necessary for his plan to demand ransom money by sending a text message from her phone. He drove back to common grounds and re-entered the coffee stand, leaving Samantha bound in his truck. He retrieved the cell phone and got back into the truck and drove away. He drove to another part of town, where he sent two text messages from Samantha's phone. The first message was to Samantha's boyfriend, and the second to the owner of Common Grounds. The text messages made it appear that Samantha had just had a bad day and was leaving town for the weekend. Keys then took the battery out of Samantha's phone. He asked Samantha for her debit card. She told him that she shared the bank account with her boyfriend and that his ATM card was in the truck that they shared. Samantha told Keys where her house was and gave him the PIN number to the ATM card. Keys put Samantha in the shed in front of his house, bound her, and turned the radio up in the shed so no one would hear if she screamed. He also told her that he had a police scanner and would know if she attempted to alert neighbors. He then drove to Samantha's house and retrieved the ATM card from her truck. While he was at Samantha's, he was confronted by her boyfriend, who yelled at him and then went back in the house to get help. Keys ran back to his truck and left the area before he could be found. He drove to an ATM machine to test the PIN number provided by Samantha. It worked. He then returned to his shed. Samantha was on the floor. The door was ripped open and there was Keys. He closed it behind him and went to her. He ripped off Samantha's pants and proceeded to rape her. Again, after he had finished, he proceeded to slowly strangle her, looking into her eyes as she died. He left her in that shed, and then went back inside his house, where he packed for a pre-planned cruise that he was taking from New Orleans. He left early that morning, the 2nd of February, for that cruise. Keyes returned to Anchorage on the 17th of February 2012. He then began preparing a ransom note that demanded money be placed in the account connected with the ATM card. He went into the shed and retrieved Samantha's body. He took steps to make it appear that she was still alive, and took a Polaroid picture of her tied up. The photo also showed Keyes' arm, holding the Anchorage Daily News from the 13th of February, 2012. He photocopied the photo and, using a manual typewriter he had purchased, typed a ransom demand for $30,000 on the back of the photo. After preparing the note and the photo, he placed it in Connors Bog Park under a memorial flyer of a dog named Albert. Then, using Samantha's cell phone, he texted her boyfriend. That message, in short said that the ransom note was under Albert in Connorsbog Park, 
The note was recovered by the Anchorage Police Department. In the days that followed, Keyes dismembered Samantha's body and drove out to Matanuska Lake. There he cut a hole in the ice and put her body into the dark waters of that lake. Meanwhile, Samantha's father, James Koenig, deposited reward money, which had been generously donated by members of the community, into the account connected with Samantha's ATM card. The plan was to attempt to catch the perpetrator by tracking any withdrawals. ATM withdrawals were made in Anchorage, and then in Arizona, New Mexico, and finally Texas. Authorities were able to determine that the perpetrator of these withdrawals was driving a white Ford Focus. The FBI and the Texas Rangers tracked the ATM withdrawals as they occurred. Ultimately, Corporal Brian Henry of the Texas Highway Patrol pulled over a white Ford Focus matching the description. Keys was driving. Henry, along with Texas Ranger Steve Rayburn, obtained enough information during the traffic stop to search the Ford Focus. Samantha's cellular telephone was found in the car, and the ATM card was found in Keyes' wallet. He was promptly arrested, and Israel Keyes was subsequently extradited to Alaska, where he confessed to Koenig's murder. There are several unsolved murder and missing persons cases where Israel Keyes remain a suspect. A few that really stand out are the following. Mora Murray Mora vanished from a snowy rural New Hampshire road in February 2004 and remains missing to this day. Israel Keyes likely knew the back roads of upstate New York and his attack on the couriers in Vermont may indicate he was familiar with parts of New England as well. There's a chance that Mora had an unlucky encounter with him on that mysterious winter's day. However, author James Renner, who runs a blog about Mora's case, doesn't think she fell prey to Keyes, writing, and I quote, It is extremely unlikely that Keyes happened to be driving by the scene of Mora's incident in rural New Hampshire in the seven minutes she was alone and decided to abduct her in clear view of three homes. It would be too much of a coincidence in timing. Also, Keyes had no control of that scene. End quote. Stevan Haugen, Jeanette Baumann, and Haugen's dog Caesar. Haugen, Baumann, and Caesar were found shot to death in the Willamette Forest near Oak Ridge, Oregon, on the 1st of July 2005. Their killer took license plates and perhaps some fishing gear from the scene. The remote location, as well as the practical step of stealing the plates, may suggest Keyes as the culprit. Lindsay Cutshall and Jason Allen the unsolved murders of Cutshall and Allen on a remote northern California beach in August 2004 drive both amateur and professional sleuths to destruction. 
The Christian camp counselors didn't have an enemy in the world, and were in a nominally safe area, just camping for the night. At some point, someone shot them as they slept. Aside from the isolated location and proximity to some of Keyes's likely kill zones, an odd bit of evidence mentioned in some reports about the crime stands out. A bottle of Carmo beer was found near the scene. Carmo has chiefly been sold in Texas, Illinois, Utah, California, and Vermont. Susanna Stodden and Mary Cooper Stodden and her mother, Mary Cooper, were slain while hiking near Pinnacle Lake in Washington in 2006. They may be the most likely Keys victims among this selection of unsolved cases. They were in his favored sort of remote location, and Keyes' home state of Washington, and a thin timeline of Keyes' movements has him in the West and Alaska for most of 2006. Keyes, organized as he was, could also seize opportunities even saying in a recorded interview that he let his victims come to him. It's easy to imagine Stodden and Cooper encountering the outwardly quiet and normal-seeming keys on the trail, not realizing what he was about to do to them until it was too late. Israel Keys was facing a March 2013 trial on federal murder charges in the kidnapping and death of 18-year-old Samantha Koenig. He was locked up in Anchorage Correctional Facility. He readily confessed to several of his crimes, and when asked for a motive, he famously said, and I quote, Why not? After making several confessions, Instead of facing the justice that awaited him, he used a makeshift shank or a piece of metal to open up his own artery on his wrist. As the blood was pumping out of his artery, he put a noose he had made of his bedsheets around his neck, and with the other end of the bedding secured at a steel bed frame, he sat down heavily, causing him to strangulate as well as bleed to death. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And so ends the story of the somewhat unknown serial killer known as Israel Keys. Next week, I will bring to you a more known name among serial killer aficionados. So, as they say in the land of radio, stay tuned. I have been your host, Thomas Vaborg Thun, and this podcast would not be possible if it had not been for my dear patrons, who pledge their hard-earned money every month. There are especially a few of those patrons I would like to thank in person. These patrons are my 18 most loyal patrons. They have contributed for the last 18 episodes, and their names are Sandy, Maud, Amber, Anne, Charlotte, Christina, Claudette, Evan, Jennifer, Joe, Lisbeth, Mickey, Philip, PJ, Sarah, Kerry, Russell, and Troy. You guys really help produce this show, and you have my deepest gratitude. Thank you. As always, I thank you, dear listener, for listening. Please, feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcast app, my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the SK podcast or Reddit. And please do subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Thank you. Good night and good luck. <laughs>